we're rolling. All right. Hello, everyone. Season three, episode two of the Professional Insights Podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks to our sponsors, Brian Boulevard. Um, uh, my name's Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. I'm Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. And uh, as episode one of season three, uh, we have our special guest, Henry Keeler, uh, who is a professional, uh, who is a CA by trade, uh, along with a chartered life underwriter and a certified financial planner. But he is retired and he's doing a, a bunch of, um, uh, you know, tax returns and what have you on the side and has come across some pretty good, interesting topics that he wants. Uh, wanted to bring up uh, with us, which we really, really appreciate. Uh, how's it going, Henry? It's going good. Just a quick uh, clarification. I'm not a CLU. I'm a CA and oh, a you're CFP. Not? I thought... No CLU. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you had so many letters after your name. I just probably agree. I just threw the CLU in there. That, that's my, that's uh, Yeah, I mean, if you want to, that's fine. Yeah, I, mean, I just don't want the institute coming after me. He's like, we don't see it in the records. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. We always throw the FU on the end of Curry's name. <laughs> Um, ben and Curry, F you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Henry, you, you had a pretty good, um, you had a pretty good, uh, intriguing topic for me because I know that we always promote that so many advisors out there, and you and I used to talk about this all the time when you and I worked worked together. Um, so many advisors can accumulate wealth. So many advisors have the ability to, you know, tell you to save and put money away, but very few have the strategies and the ability to properly allow you to spend your money in a tax efficient way. And then also to, if there's money left over, have a plan in place to do that through the estate process as well, estate planning. Um, and you want to just, you know, maybe touch on that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's great to accumulate assets. Um, the challenge is how to efficiently draw it down when you get into retirement. Um, because life has a habit of, you know, has a way of throwing curveballs, and you never know, you know, you're certainly not promised tomorrow. And, you know, as I mentioned in, in the previous episode, I mean, I, I did a couple of tax returns this year, and it's just the theme seemed to be date of death returns because a few of my friends had lost their parents. And, and one case that really came to the forefront for me is, you know, a friend of mine here in, in, in where I live. You know, her, her father unfortunately passed away in 2018. I think he was like 72. Um, and then unfortunately her mom, you know, contracted cancer and passed away in 2019. And, and, and the challenge that, that we face then is all of a sudden all their accumulated registered assets now had to be brought into income in the year of death for her mom. Right. And, and, and it resulted in about $450,000 of, of assets of, of money coming in to be taxed in the year of date of death, which resulted in approximately a $200,000 tax bill. And, you know, and, and in my years, you know, as, as a wholesaler and, and working in the insurance side and on the financial side, um, there were so many people that, you know, and even advisors that were recommending clients to just defer their registered assets until you actually had to start withdrawing them at age 71 when the minimum, you know, withdrawal amount kicked in for the RIFs. But the challenge for that is, you know, A, you're accumulating your assets which is going to be 100% taxable when it comes out, you know, mm -hmm. when you do start withdrawing the money at age 71, you know, has your asset balance accumulated to the point where now what you have to pull out is now going to start clawing back your old age security. Um, and I think the other thing is you've missed out opportunities potentially if you don't have other pension income 
to be able to split income between husband and wife or husband and husband or wife and wife. I'm not trying to, um, but, but having that sure. ability to, to pension income split um, produces some huge tax savings over, over time as well. Right now, I, I don't know what the planning was with my friend's parents when they were, you know, 65 or 60, at what point they retired. But, you know, I think it makes sense to take a look at, you know, pulling out some money out of your registered assets, even before age 71, to have some taxable income, have the ability to, to split uh, and, and save taxes from that perspective. Well, I think it's, you know, we have a philosophy at our firm, which is basically it's better to give away money with a warm hand than a cold one. Um, I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I've, you know, had a lot of uh, baby boomers uh, come across and basically, you know, you know what? No, I want to spend this money now. I want to see the reaction on their faces. I want to see the, the joy that this money brings them. But on top of that, you have to have a, um, a, a reason to, to leave money. So like I have that, I have that, you know, um, com blunt conversation with them. It's like, do you need to really leave money uh, to, to your kids? If you don't want to, that's totally fine. But if you do, then we need to put together some sort of a plan and get that money out now, as opposed to waiting. Right. And uh, to your point, Henry, you didn't even know what that plan was. You had nothing to do with that whatsoever, but clearly, I mean, uh, things happen completely beyond um, completely beyond uh, expectation, and he died earlier than expected, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, he, yeah, he definitely did, right? And 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 the challenge, you know, may have missed out on opportunities. That let let's say he retired at 65, you know, maybe they could have got by on withdrawing money from their TFSA or having some non-registered funds. And yes, that is not taxed at that point in time, but as a result of not pulling money out of ERSPs, you know, those have accumulated to the point where okay. You know, unfortunately, they both passed away, and and now you have this huge tax bill. You know, another another kind of a, you know common scenario is one of the spouses passes away, you know, and that person's registered assets get transferred over tax free to the one your survivor. But now there's no ability to split income, right? Anything that comes out is all going to be taxed in the one survivor's hands, you know. And and there, there's common you know, uh, examples where one person earning, you know, $100,000 pays significantly more tax than two people earning $50,000, right? My point there right. is, you know, to be able to pull some of that money out and be able to allocate it and split it between two people to reduce the overall tax liability um, just makes sense. And I think it's important for people to, again, to, to reach out to their financial advisor and say, let's look at the plan and does it make sense to pull some money out? And just because you pull money out today from your registered assets doesn't mean you have to spend it. You know, you can pay your tax at, at your, your your marginal tax rate today, you know, and use the after-tax proceeds and maybe now contribute to your TFSA or contribute to back into a non-registered, but you're taking some of the money away from something that's going to be 100% taxed to something now that's going to be much more efficient. Well, not only that, and also too, like implementing some sort of a, a whole life policy or, or strategy as well, because I mean, that that's $200,000 that you've worked your butt off in order to get that goes straight to the government. Doesn't, doesn't, you know, you do, you do not pass go, you do not collect $200,000. It could, that is a check well, they do. Yeah, that CRA does. <laughs> and you know, to, when you really look at it, if you, if it was, the, if there's proper estate and financial planning done properly, um, that policy would have been, could have been, Negate, that tax bill could have been easily negated um, 
and that, that money could have been used to pay off the tax bill or to be left to the children. Uh, it's up to or, you. Or, or the, other, the other thing, I mean, if someone has, you know, some charitable interest, you know, you can mm -hmm. use that insurance policy or you can sure. just use, you know, the assets to donate to charity. I mean, you know, one comment, that there's three people that can get your financial resources at that. The children, the charity, or the government. And, and the common thing is you pick two out of the three. Right. If you do no planning, it's going to be your kids and the government. You can do some planning. It could be your kids and charity and the government gets nothing if you plan it properly. Right. So, again, right. If, 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 if people cringe at the fact that the government's going to get two hundred thousand dollars, as an example, there is planning that can be done ahead of time to, to avoid that. And the earlier you do, yeah, it, like the if, cheaper it is. Right. The cheaper the con the, the cheaper the outcome for from a from a negative perspective. Yeah. I mean, just Henry, I think what. Sorry, I, I think what you're alluding to, and I'm, I'm not a hard tax guy by any stretch of imagination, although I wish I were, is say, for instance, you were to give a $200,000 um, legacy to a charitable organization, then you would, at that point in time, be giving that charity $200,000 as opposed to the government, at least, because you'd have a, you get a rebate from a tax perspective because it's it was a charitable donation. Yeah. Is that correct? I mean, you can use an example. Let's let's take this, you know, four hundred fifty thousand dollars that was in registered assets. If you do no planning, so in this example, the government gets two hundred thousand, you know, the kids get two hundred and fifty thousand dollars left over. You can say, okay, I'm gonna buy insurance to cover the two hundred thousand dollars that is going to the to the government. So you 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 have four hundred fifty thousand dollars coming out registered. 200,000 going to the government, we have insurance to cover that. Now the kids have 450,000. Another approach is to say, buy insurance for $450,000 and donate that to charity. So now when the person passes away, you have $450,000 coming into income, but you have a $450,000 charitable tax donation, which offsets to, and now the charity gets 450, yep. the kids get 450 and the government gets nothing. Right. A lot of people look at that and say, yeah, I kind of like that plan a lot better. Right. No. Sure. But you, you need to kind of get, get that saying, when you're a little bit younger so that you can still purchase the insurance and make it worthwhile. Right. And but and here's another one, too. You could also while you're alive, there's also some fund companies and some options that you can create your own charity while you're alive. So you can pull out of that yeah. registered asset. So let's say you're like, you know what, I'm never going to spend this 450. Um, I don't want to leave it to my kids, which is fine. I've got some people that are like, I never received anything. Why should they? That's their, that's their prerogative. Uh, that's not yeah. my prerogative. I, I will be leaving money uh, to to my children if 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 there's any left over. But <laughs> you know, but that if I pulled out two hundred thousand dollars and gave it to um, uh, a fund company that can that can uh, you know just distribute that money to different charities on my, on my behalf while I'm alive, I get that two hundred thousand dollar tax receipt while I'm alive and get that benefit mm -hmm. right away. And on top of that, I get to see that money work for me and get donated to charity. Yeah. That happens quite a bit. Um, and it's definitely something that you need but to I, think about. Yeah, I think part of the problem is, again, you're seeing it from our previous episode is maybe when people are estate planning, they're not paying so much so attention to how things are going to impact the beneficiaries. Yeah. Right. right? Like what, what, that, what's that, what, what is that going to look like? Right. A lot of times. I guess they're really not estate planning or not estate planning well, because I mean, you know, if you were to ask Brandon or, or Henry, you know, those people would, you would probably suggest, look at, well, pull out your RSP and leave your, your tax-free money there. Yeah. Right. Cause you're not, 
I, I don't believe you're taxed on. I don't know from an estate perspective, though, if you're taxed on, on, on what. It's not income. On what? On, on uh, say, a tax-free savings account. Maybe a probate fee? Like a state administration no, because tax? Because it's definitely you, you not income. You can set up your TFSA to have named beneficiaries as well. And so that would accumulate tax-free over your life. And then when you pass away, you get paid out tax-free to, to the beneficiary. So... You know, it, so it makes Perfect. it makes more sense to pull money out of your RSPs. But again, it, it really is looking at the entire picture and not having just your focus on, I want to pay the absolute lowest tax today. You have to look and say, okay, it's good yeah. to pay some tax today if it's going to prevent paying a That's whole lot right. more in the future. Well, and, and Henry, if I can just quickly touch on that, if it's pension income, which you have no control to leave it to beneficiaries anyway, you can pension split right away. But if you're over the age of 65 and you have RRSP money and your spouse is over the age of 65, you can, you can split that after uh, 65 years of age, correct? Correct. You can, you, it's based on who's receiving the income. So if, I, you know, if, if, if the one spouse is 65 and the other spouse is 62, right? Mm -hmm. the person being 65 is receiving the, the you know, it has to come out of a RIF. It can't be just sporadic withdrawals from an RSP. It has to be converted. Correct. To but if you're getting income from, from a RIF, that can be split with that spouse who is 62 um, to help allocate and even out the income between the two. So, so yeah, it's who is the owner of the RIF. Uh, as, as long as they're over 65, that money can be split. Correct. And then you could then turn around and contribute and max out. So, for example, if every year we know that $6,000, notwithstanding indexing to inflation, um, gets um, added to the tax-free savings account uh, balance, every January you can pull out $12,000, as long as you're over the age of 65, uh, split 6000 to your spouse, 6000 to you, throw that in, this is after-tax money, obviously, throw that into the tax-free savings account and invest it and have it grow. Correct. And as long as you have a, 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 um, a, a designated beneficiary on it, it doesn't, there's no, there's no probate and there's no tax. So is there a strategy to, cause I, in terms of my planning loosely for retirement at this point in time, I, I hadn't contemplated creating a, a riff before the age of 71, 72. Because that's when you're forced correct, to do it, correct. right? Yeah. You know, for, for pension income splitting and even for, you know, a $2,000 pension credit, you know, as soon as you're 65 and older, you know, even if you take a portion of your, your RRSP, convert it to the RIF so that you can pull some money out, that's going to give you um, the ability to split that with your, with your spouse. It also gives you the ability to get the $2,000 pension credit. So if you didn't, CPP all day security doesn't qualify for that. So if you have no other pension income, you know, it makes sense to at least pull out $2,000 because that's going to give you the $2,000 pension. Sure. Yep. So that, that'll, that'll, you, you get a tax Correct. free of the two grand. Because I, I just presumption that the, the credit offsets the, the $2,000. Unfortunately, the Ontario tax credit for pension is like, like $1,400. So there's a little bit of a mismatch there, but. Sure. You know. Small, small portion of uh, provincial taxes, then maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I think what we've what we've learned from a from a live example that we've chatted about, you know, numerous times, but proper financial planning, you know, listening, 100%. you know, talking to a professional, talking to an advisor, uh, listening to an advisor, and actually taking their you know their financial planning seriously, and 
and you know and maybe start questioning like if they if the person that you know and, and i see we see this all the time um the person that actually has your money and the first thing i ask they're asking me questions and i'm like okay well where do you have your money because i know you don't have it with me and you know the first thing i ask is, well well show me your financial plan and i'll explain it to you and they can't produce it and or my guy doesn't do that or whatever the case may be. I'm just like, well, why do you have your money with them? Because they're making money off of your money just for it to sit there. So what are they doing to help you properly plan? And I think that is the caveat and that's a piece. And, and, you know, as I always say, don't ask me for free advice. I mean, come on. You know, and, and the biggest, the biggest kind of growing segment really is that retirement planning. Cause you know, it's great that an advisor can accumulate that wealth, you know, but that may be their focus is, yeah, let's grow that pot bigger and bigger and, and, and they make their money on that. But if, if there isn't that corresponding planning that, okay, you've, you know, you've accumulated this money, how do you now get it out efficiently? Then, you know, you're just going to pay more taxes along the way in doing that. And, and that's where the financial planning really comes into play. Right. Right. Yep. Well, thanks very much, Henry. Again, that was a really good topic. Uh, very, very yep. top of mind. Great. It's absolutely really, really good. Yeah. Um, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, wherever podcasts are streamed or on your Apple TV. Available for download. Or available for download yes. on Apple <laughs> TV if you're Collins. Um, Bondo? Help us help you stay informed. Thanks, Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.